Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today we're speaking with Kate McCoy, a renowned Australian fine jewelry designer with a powerful, sustainable mission. In today's episode, Kate talks about her entrepreneurial journey, backing yourself, and finding her greater purpose as a creative businesswoman. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey Kate, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very happy to be here. I'm a huge fan of your designs. Yeah, so gorgeous. Thank <laughs> so you. I want everything, <laughs> literally everything on your website. Um, so for those of you listening, Kate is a jewelry designer who has founded her own brand of fine jewelry. And we are just really excited to talk to her today about how she did it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so tell us all about yourself. Where are you from? How'd you become the woman you are today? Everything. We want to know it all. <laughs> well, um, I'll try and keep it uh, short and sweet. Um, I grew up on a farm um, hmm. near Canberra. Nice. Um, yeah, beautiful. Just, um, you know, that quintessential Aussie upbringing, horses, yeah. animals, um, lots of freedom, um, Lots of time roaming around in the wilderness. And yeah, I feel like inherently I have a, a deep connection to the environment and the land. And um, I love animals. Um, so yeah, idyllic childhood. Um, Were your family farmers? <clears throat> Uh, so my dad, um, his family are from down on the Monero, which um, for listeners who are unfamiliar with that part of Australia, it's in New South Wales, um, a little bit further south of Canberra towards Victoria, mm -hmm. um, near the Snowy Mountains. Um, so he grew up down there on a farm um, and um, his uh, sister and um, her children are still farming down there. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful part of the world as well. Um, so, yeah, he was he was always um, interested in farming, but he also um, <clears throat> owned a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting combination. Um, it quite, my, both my parents are very entrepreneurial, so uh, my brothers and I have two older brothers, and um, we uh, were often... Um, put to work by our parents, which I think has given me a really strong work ethic mm -hmm. um, in life in general. Um, I think from the age I could count to 10, um, I remember uh, counting bags of money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. Odd. Well, there could Odd. be worse things to there count. There could be totally worse <laughs> things to count. Um, so, you know, there'd be the night's takings from, uh, from the nightclub and bars and restaurants and um, and my brothers and I would sit in a circle together, putting the colours together and counting to 10 and putting a rubber band around it. <laughs> you know, responsibility Amazing. and trust 101, um, yeah. probably at the age of about, oh God, who knows, seven. 
Um, <laughs> um, but I think what that taught me is just, um, you know, the value of doing things together as a family mm-hmm. um, and a strong work ethic in terms of um, contributing. Yeah. From there, um, I, as most people um, in Australia do, um, we study, we work, and then we run away overseas to yeah. see what else exists out there. <laughs> <laughs> so for the, uh, the Americans and the, you know, everybody else listening right now, um, Australia is such a small, well, it's physically a big country, but with such a small population that uh, Aussies often travel abroad, um, either before uni or right after uni or things like that. So it's pretty, pretty normal to live somewhere else or experience other cultures. Totally. And I think I was um, very, very lucky. Um, I had a lot of opportunities. Um, thanks to my mum, I um, actually went to a bilingual school for primary school. Um, and I lived with a French family um, from the age of eight in New Caledonia to learn to speak French. Oh, wow. Yeah, in order to, um, to attend Tilopia, um, which is the name of the school. French school in Canberra. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, that, that had a huge effect on me culturally um, in terms of um, embodying the French language at such a young age, mm-hmm. um, learning it by immersion. Um, and it's something that stayed with me my whole life um, in terms of fluency. Um, and it's helped me to learn other languages as well. So um, that uh, I found has been very useful. But also I think from a creative angle, um, it it allows you to be a little bit, um, I think it increases your creativity because mm-hmm. you then have reference points of more than just one word. You also have like feelings that come with those words culturally mm. that express themselves differently to from language to language. Yeah. Um, and so I did have that sort of independence from a young age of like, oh, right, okay, um, how do I communicate with someone? Yeah. <laughs> um, where am I? Like, who am I? Um, and, yeah, I, I, I had a real thirst for travel. I, I went on exchange to Japan as well um, and, were, and Tahiti. Um, wow. And I was also invited by my beautiful um, French host family from New Caledonia to meet their family who lived in France. So had the the great privilege to travel to France at, at a very young age. Um, and yeah, I I finished high school. I went to a boarding school called Frencham, which is in the Southern Highlands. Mm-hmm. Beautiful school um, and boarding. Um, I think that gives you a lot of character building as well. Yeah. Um, and is an amazing, um, was amazing environment to grow up in. I think sometimes there's a negative connotation to boarding schools, like you've been sent away. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> wants to. But actually, um, actually, French has, a, has an amazing culture. And um, uh, some of the friends that I have who are part of my sort of support network, um, uh, they're like family to me, um, and I'm still friends with them today. So, um, and they're all doing uh, incredible things in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah. So I finished school, travelled um, overseas, and when I got back, I sort of thought, oh, I don't 
don't really know what I want to do anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think I kind of had the travel bug and I was a bit um, distracted by all of the amazing things in the world and I was a bit lost as to what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and as I, many people are. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I went to uni. I, I thought, you know, oh, I originally wanted to do international studies business um, and um, I ended up doing arts um, yeah. so that I could keep some languages and kind of dabble in a few other things. And it was the first time in my life that I, do, that I wasn't doing anything creative. Yeah. And... Bit by bit, I just started to feel more and more, like, depressed. Like, I was, like, not enjoying anything. I wasn't achieving at anything. Yeah. And at school, everything was pretty easy. Like, I topped um, a lot of subjects and, um, you know, did a lot of extension, mass extension, English, extension, French, extension, Japanese. I was like great at sport. And then suddenly I was like at uni going, what's wrong with me? Like why can't I'm not achieving anything? Yeah. And um, I walked past an art store one day and walked in and just thought I'm going to buy a canvas and some paints. I'm just going to paint a picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it felt instantly better. Um, and I, I made that internal connection that as a creative person – I need to be creative to feel like a balanced person. Yeah. yeah. I need to have that outlet to feel, um, yeah, just to feel myself. Um, and I changed my degree uh, and I, I combined my degree with fine arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was quite a few electives to choose from. Mm. I wanted to do ceramics actually. And mm. ceramics was full and I was like, oh, God, what, what am I going to do now? I had my heart set on ceramics. And I was like, oh, jewellery design. Oh, yeah, oh, I'll try that. Okay. <laughs> fine. Yeah, fine. I suppose I'll try jewellery design. And fate and, intervened. Yeah, yeah, well, like the second I sat down in my first tutorial, it was like time disappeared. I was just in this vortex of just like pure focus. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've kind of been in that vortex ever since. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I just sort of put everything into it. Um, mm. And I finished uni thinking I – my dad actually, um, bless him, he was like, um, you know, there's this trade fair in Hong Kong and I, I'm, I bought – a flights and we're going and we're going to have a look at it and I think you should really see what you're getting into before you make a final decision. And uh, we went to Hong Kong and and the trade fair in Hong Kong is just incredible. It's everyone in the world Mm. trading fine gems Um, and it's about the size of Sydney Football Stadium. It's about four levels with mezzanines and on each floor there are like three pavilions a floor and it's by country and um, by type. So coloured gems, sapphires, diamonds, Um, then it's like manufactured jewellery and all the various um, categories of manufactured jewellery, tools, um, packaging, all sorts of stuff. And wow. um, I had just never been to a trade fair before in my life. So uh, I was overwhelmed, like completely overwhelmed. And I came out of that thinking like, how on earth could you ever create another piece of jewellery? I mean, it is all been done. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I also realised just how little I knew 
was mm. like, how is, I mean, I've been studying for three years now and I know nothing. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was quite overwhelming and daunting, but at the same time, you know, my dad was just so supportive and he's like, there's definitely a place for you here um, in this industry. You've just got to figure out where that is. Mm. And, um, and so my next stage was to study gemology and diamond grading. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked around at all the different possibilities of where and how I could do that. Um, and I ended up deciding to study in Mumbai in India for, uh, so I, I packed my bags and went to Mumbai and, um, I studied gemology and then studied diamond grading and I worked for a diamond dealer over there, um, to get some experience. And then I came back to Australia with, um, yeah, a, a wealth of experience, um, not just um, from a scientific perspective as a gemologist and diamond grader, but also culturally. Yeah. Um, it was really amazing. So, be- like, incredible place. To live in Mumbai and yeah. how different that is from yeah. Australia. It's just so, yeah. I mean, I learned so much about myself in that process. Just India changes your life in general. India like, does change your life. <laughs> Especially if Traveling doing, changes your life. Traveling does. Traveling yeah. does. But I think India parti- particularly, at least for me, it, and yeah. a lot of people are shocked too. Yeah, I mean, um, even having done a fair bit of travel before um, going to India, um it yeah it's it really teaches you gratitude mm-hmm. um and compassion i think yes yeah. i agree with you and I, I, I know that sounds so cliche um you know it's very eat pray love <laughs> but it but it's true it really is um it was really challenging it was you know, one of not only was the study really challenging. I mean, it was a hundred percent pass mark for yeah. gemology. What? I was wow, yeah, and I was <laughs> learning. Um, you know, every culture has a different style of teaching. Yeah, and um, in India ha- has a very strict um, style of teaching that uh, is a lot about memorizing content. Okay, and. Gemology is, um, you know, very scientific and uses a lot of instruments to take specific readings and it was so different to anything I'd ever learnt before. We had to memorise numbers to two decimal points for hundreds of stones for their specific gravity, refractive index, spectrometer readings, which are like five digits long. Um, And so that's like, you know, memorising everyone that you went to school with, their phone number, shoe size, um, and like, I don't know, a couple of other things. (laughs) So, yeah, it was great. I mean, I loved it, um, but it was very challenging as a female as well to to be um, studying uh, something that's actually quite male-dominated in terms of um, its um, industry and employment. So... Yeah, it was challenging but very enriching and I made some incredible friends there and, um, yeah, it's still in touch with them today. So that's, yeah, it's great. Oh, um, but coming back to Australia, I I think um, having entrepreneurial parents and seeing, you know, um, also having amazing support to um, and it leads you to have um, – a real sense of self-belief. Yeah. And I knew I didn't want to work for someone else. I just wanted to do my thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that thing has morphed and changed over the years um, and it's taken many different um, pivots and turns. Um, but the real, I think the where it really came to fruition was when I realised that for me it's about making meaningful things. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, then there's so much jewellery available in the world and so many sparkly, pretty things that people can buy. For me as a, as a creator, um, you know, working with people to create something that's meaningful to them has so much more value to yeah. me as the person responsible for creating it. Um, you know, I, I never wanted to work for a, a big um, chain, jewellery chain that was, you know, creating essentially landfill. I mean, yeah. yeah, they're nice things, but you buy them, they are not designed to last forever. Mm-hmm. They break um, and then they get thrown out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> essentially landfill. That's such yeah, a great way of putting I it. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel, um, part of me feels quite awful for saying that but um in terms of my my personal values and in and what aligns for me um creating something meaningful that's not just creating for the sake of creating mm-hmm. yeah um creating something um also that i mean jewelry jewelry fine jewelry has precious materials and in majority of my work um uh you know early on has been engagement rings and wedding rings mm-hmm. and um, working with people to I – mean, I'm so passionate about gems and fine diamonds and investment stones that for me educating people on that really lights me up and I can see that they also really enjoy the process. Yeah. Um, and it's more than just making a piece of jewellery. You're getting to learn about people's relationships and um, what, you know – nuances and things that you can help them to with the design in order for them to um, express and facilitate um, something very romantic Um, you know I think like one of the things that makes um, romance is the thoughtfulness to actually really think about um, what your partner would like how they also how would how would they like to be proposed to um, and yeah, I think as long as it's something that it has some thought behind it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So how did you start Kate McCoy Jewellery? You came back from India. Did you then work for another business and like cut your teeth no, there? No, I, I just went straight in. Um, well, oh, wow. when I, while I was at uni, um, I had, uh, I was sort of, in, I, I guess some things happen and you're in the right place at the right time. Mm. I met uh, a guy in Bondi at Gusto who was working there and he wanted to get into styling and he um, and we just got to chatting and he said, he said, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a jewellery designer. And at this stage I was uh, living on Hall Street with my brother and making jewellery from the shed in the back garden. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was working on my final project for uni um, where I basically – 
bit off a bit more than I could chew uh, in terms of um, having this thing that I wanted to create, which mm-hmm. was a 2,500-piece puzzle that was double-sided and had layers and layers of enameling. And it created a picture where each piece was a pixel in the picture and you could auction the pieces off to raise money for a charity so that you could be a part of a bigger picture. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> it was cool. I wasn't sleeping for multiple weeks <laughs> to get it finished and um, so projects. I was living on coffee <laughs> living on coffee and so I was always at Gusto and um, Dylan Porter is uh, we're still friends today he wanted to be a stylist and he had the opportunity to assist a stylist on some Vogue shoots and they wanted to um, Vogue Australia Vogue Australia yeah oh, and they wow. wanted to create some um, unique pieces for the shoots and uh, oh. he said, oh, I want you to meet this stylist. He's great. His name's Jeffrey Bergen-Ollen um, and uh, just see like, you know, you might be able to do something. And I was thinking, yeah, okay, like I'll go. I'll meet this guy. Like yeah. don't really have time but <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I ended up sort of uh, packing on a whole heap more uh, onto my plate to um, create these pieces and um, for and Vogue Australia, for Vogue Australia <laughs> while I was still at uni, I know. <laughs> I was like, wow. wow. The power and of networking. <laughs> the, power, the power of, yeah, of caffeine um, <laughs> um, and having a chat. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I then went on set with the shoot and uh, I saw what, like, high, high art, like, high-end fashion couture mm can really, what it's really about. I mean, it's incredible. Um, I, I never even understood what styling was until I saw it in action. Just seeing like the imagery that you can create um, as a team of people mm-hmm. who are all experts in their field, you know, the most amazing hair and makeup models, lighting, photography, mm-hmm. like the whole thing. And um, that was really, really inspiring. And I was sort of like, yeah, I like, I want to do that, but I want to do that with, like, with fine gems and, um, you know, at another level. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was a, it's been a long, I mean, that was 2008 mm-hmm. when that happened. Oh, no, hang on. It was 2005, okay. six. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a while. Um, it's been a while, you know. Uh, a lot of work, I guess, uh, between <laughs> now and then. Um, Isn't and it funny how quickly like 15 years goes? <laughs> oh my God, I know. <laughs> it's, it's frightening. Um, so yeah, I, um, I just knew that I wanted to work for myself, basically. And I think, you know, I think if I had worked for someone else, I probably would have learned different lessons. Yeah. Um, but I, and, you know, who's to say? Um, but I feel that all paths lead to Rome. If you have a, um, a vision of what you want to achieve mm-hmm. um, and, you know, um, sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes it changes. Um I think if you if you're of the mindset that you will never stop learning, mm-hmm. um, yeah. then and and also I just think like doing something that you love is so so important to yes. maintaining. Um, you know when things become difficult or challenging, um, 
always having that to fall back on. Like, mm, why am yeah. I doing this? Oh, because I love this. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Yeah, that's yeah. why. How um, did you fund yourself and your business at this point in your life? Like, you just well, <laughs> left uni. <laughs> yeah, so um, interesting. I've, uh, yeah, well, I have a strong work ethic thanks to my parents. Um, and um, my, my dad actually went bankrupt when I was uh, about 13, Wow. And we lost everything that we had. Um, oh so from that age, like school holidays were spent working in hospitality to earn money. Yeah. Um, and I had scholarships to get myself through um, school and, and my parents, you know, started again from scratch. Mm-hmm. And um, that really taught me the value of friends and, and money for me. Um, and so I worked through uni and hospitality and um, then I had a friend who um, I was complaining to one day and they suggested that I speak to their friend who had a massage business Mm. and that maybe I should, you know, talk to them and maybe I could do massage instead. And I've always really liked, like, helping people and I've always been, like, very tactile creatively with my hands, Mm -hmm. doing ceramics and various other things that... um, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll check that out. Like, what could I do with massage? And so (laughs) I studied at night and I studied during the day and I worked on weekends and I got qualified as a massage, remedial massage therapist. And I I worked um, with someone for a short period and then I developed my own client base. And so by the time I got to my final year of uni, I was able to work as a massage therapist, um, which was a lot less hours. Um, and I guess that sort of gave me the experience of having like a, a small uh, one-person band kind of business. Yeah. yeah. And, and the um, time freedom as well to then work mm, exactly. on exactly jewellery. The time freedom is, is like you nailed it with that. It's absolutely it because to be creative, it's not like a switch. You can't just turn your creative. Yeah. Um, powers on when mm. it suits you and, you know, produce amazing work. Um, it would be great if that were the case, but we're <laughs> not robots. Um, so, yeah, I um, I slowly, slowly supported uh, myself to um, to grow the business. And I started off doing, like, silver jewellery and bits and pieces mm. and then slowly, slowly um, realised, actually, no, that's not meaningful enough mm. either. I'd like to um, create fine pieces of jewellery and engagement rings. And, yeah, I mean, it's still uh, – it's an amazing privilege to have people entrust you to create something that's, like, uh, expensive um, and valuable beyond, like, the price. And it's in- I, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear your journey because I think sometimes you hear people's stories and they're like, and then I was all of a sudden, like, an overnight success. And it's like, <laughs> an overnight success isn't a thing. It's, it's not that, a thing. It's something that happens for <laughs> you years. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I was creating in a garage and doing massages. That's Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> I was working in the back garden shed. And yeah, then, that's awesome. And then I'd go and massage people and I'd be like, God, I have to be really careful not to, like... Um, um, cut my hand or anything yeah. using like some of the polishing wheels um, or I won't be able to work because you can't massage people if you have any um, cuts or anything. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it was um, – and also like massage is a really positive um, interaction with people. Like yeah. they're really happy to see you 
And they're really happy to pay you and they're really happy to, like, say goodbye to you because you've just, like, put them into this fuzzy, um, (laughs) you know, relaxed world where they're no longer in severe back pain or, you know. And whilst I I loved it, it is a remedial um, uh, practice and I I did feel a little bit like, oh, I'm a Band-Aid, like... I'm a Band-Aid solution. Like, yeah. you know, it's not having the Im- the full impact that I require for the full satisfaction of be- doing something. Um, whereas, um, you know, jewellery design in terms of um, creating meaningful pieces for people definitely um, fulfilled that side of things. And then, uh, yeah, I've recently, um, I've recently done an amazing collaboration Uh, with a high-end hotel um, in Cambodia. Um, Mm. uh, Yeah, amazing hotelier called Bill Bensley, who's also an incredible interior designer and landscape architect. And um, we met by chance and I was a guest at his hotel. (laughs) I know, right? Being in the right place at the right time. Being chatty really works out for you. Being chatty, yeah. (laughs) Well, you never know who you might meet. (laughs) Um, and he uh, he has an incredible um, ethos um, around um, sustainability and um, you know nature conservation. It's mm. it's like yeah, he he his hotels are absolutely amazing. Um, he's recently created a hotel where the where the rooms are in cages and the animals are roaming around free. In, oh, wow. in the hotel grounds. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's just like flipped that on its head. It's, Where's it's, that? Uh, it's, it's in China. I, I'll send um, send the link if people are interested yes. to take a look. It's um, yeah, yeah, super cool. And and actually this hotel in Cambodia, um, the it's very immersive, the whole experience of this um, incredible place. It's called Shintamani Wild. Mm. And um, you zip line to arrive into the hotel over a 350 metre um, spanned of jungle um, oh, wow. and then uh, over a, a second shorter zip line over a, a waterfall and it sort of like kind of sets the tone for for the whole experience of being at this hotel because wow. it's so immersive in nature and it's all about nature conservation and staying at the hotel um, can, contributes to the conservation of that space. Um, and so, yeah, he, um, I was sitting at breakfast one morning and he came up and we had a chat (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, we just realized, you know, we both had, had that, um, aligning of values around nature conservation and yeah did you recognize him did you think oh no I had no idea who he was um I mean he's like he has so much presence so for me I was just like wow who is that person oh my god they're coming towards me oh wow oh they they want to talk to me hello (laughs) Hello. and he's like who are you (laughs) what do you do and I was like Hi, who, who are you? Oh, oh, you're Bill Bensley. Oh, right. <laughs> I love your hotel. It's amazing. Um, yeah, and just we had a great chat about design and um, and what he's doing. And he suggested that I go on patrol with the Wildlife Alliance Rangers um, who protect the Cardamon National Park um, and, um, and the Shintamani um, area as well of the hotel, which is 843-acre um, area um, and actually Bill posed as a, a logger to buy it at a logging auction 
um, and then uh, to save the land yeah from to save to save it from being logged right and then wow. produce this um, incredible uh, hotel um, which has had minimal impact in terms of how it's built. Um, the materials they've used to build it, etc. Um, and um, yeah, we got to chatting, and he was like, "Well, um, how would you like to do a collaboration?" And he's uh, and that's my American accent's pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, he he um, suggested we collaborate on a, a collection of fine jewellery where 100% of the profits go to Wildlife Alliance. Amazing. So, yeah, it's um, – and I just thought, wow, like, th- that that's amazing. I'm, I would love to do that. What a privilege. And uh, it's, you know, and then the more I thought about the project and I was thinking about, you know, what can I call it? And, um, yeah, just nature's treasury was kind of, like, very fitting in terms of its – um, fine jewels. It's about the reverence of nature, um, and it's about giving back to nature. And and yeah, it's. Uh, I love it. I mean, it's really the jewelry, like fine jewelry, and really special pieces. For me, it's about the gems, and um, they have a, a certain presence to them. Yeah. And um, and amazing that you know, Mother Nature's the ultimate artist, really. Yeah. Um, creating these beautiful natural crystals essentially sounds very hippie but (laughs) and then uh, we facet them we design these beautiful um, cuts and and they're faceted by I mean the jewelry industry has so many specializations but um, you know lapidress lapidry is um, what it's called when you're faceting gems and um, and you learn how to facet them to bring out their beauty and um and yeah, so it sort of gets polished and faceted bit by bit until it um, really brings out the most life um, in the stone. And um, yeah, and so often for design, for me, it's starting with the gem itself. Mm. And then the design kind of develops around a theme and um, from there. And obviously in, in this case, the theme um, was nature, but specifically um the nature that it's protecting, so the yeah. Cambodian jungle. Yeah. Um, this, this, I mean, it's incredible. Going out with the Wildlife Alliance patrol, um, you're on the back of a motorbike bumping around with, um, it's part um, gendarmerie, the royal gendarmerie of Cambodia. Um, so they're they're all um, weaponed up. And then oh, uh, wow. part, part ranger who have the ability to track other human beings. Um, to find poachers and illegal loggers and it was five hours of like mud and jungle and like (laughs) hardcore hardcore tracking Um, and yeah we confiscated um, an illegal logging camp their chainsaws and fuel jerry cans and um, yeah it was pretty exciting but along the way we saw like beautiful wild orchids like cascading from um, host trees and like a range of different forests and colors and just like yeah mm. really magical so there wasn't any sort of um, issue in terms of finding inspiration it was kind of endless and hard to draw a line in terms of how many pieces to create and you've also got to think about who you're creating for so um, there's a, a very broad market of people who who go to Shintamani and um, 
And but the main thing for me was just um, you know, realizing that as a brand, giving back to nature in a sustainable way, particularly as a jewelry designer where um, you know, people are like, oh, but you're mining stones like out of the ground, you're putting holes in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how is that sustainable? Well, um, you could say the same for so many industries if you want to start picking things apart. I think, mm. um, you know, at the at its very essence, um, gems are a reverence of nature and they always have been and they've been traded um, for generations and generations and generations before, even before there was like money um, yeah. and notes. People, you know, they have this like beauty and sort of power to them. Um, yeah. And yeah, they, that is highly valuable. Um, is sustainability has it always been really important for you? And did you, when you started Kate McCoy Jewelry and and Nature's Treasury, mm. think about sustainability as part of your brand and who you I've are and how it always, represents you? I've always really wanted to um, do something that has a positive impact in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was through, I mean, it's all sort of fallen into place really in terms of um, nature's treasury um, that aligns really beautifully. Um, but I, at school, at Frencham, there's, um, you know, often where we were often doing charity exercises, um, whether it was some crazy skit night or, um, and then, you know, the school's motto was in love, serve one another. So, um, you know, that I think, you know, as I think that really has infiltrated um, who I am. Um, and so I've always wanted to do something, um, where for the, for being successful, I'm able to give back in a way, whether that's to help disadvantaged communities or to help, um, to help nature and the environment. And, you know, I really feel very strongly around, um, climate change. And I think we can all now see that it's real, um, Mm -hmm. based on the bushfires that, we're experiencing and that, um, you know, in the world, especially California at the moment. Yes. And, um, yeah, I just think it's it's real and we need to do something. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I, I did, like one of my best friends um, works for the UN mm. um, and she often comes back and tells me all these incredible stories of what she's been doing Um for UNICEF um, yeah. and it just like it really puts things in perspective and, and I think uh, it's she's an incredibly inspiring person yeah. um, to me and I, I yeah, it's, it's like if we can all, I think if people are able to have a greater purpose for why they're doing something, um, it, it also really helps you when things are difficult too. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely, um, I, I definitely feel like this really aligns with 
who I am and, and what I want to achieve in terms of having a positive impact in the world. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like people, I think the thing about um, these big things that we want to change in the world, right, is Mm. like they seem so overwhelming. Mm. But really, if we all just start where we are and do what we can with what we have. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like you're a jewelry designer. You have the power to create this line Mm. so that you can give something back. That's right. And people, people, it's like people love jewelry and jewelry facilitates people's experience of love yes. and it's like rather than stop something that is not in your control do something that you can control mm. um, and to be able to use your creativity um, and give back which is you know for me a natural gift to give back to nature um, for for the privilege of that gift I think is uh, also um, feels really good and yeah. you should do what feels good generally in life. <laughs> Did you um, always have it figured out what your like greater purpose was in life? Or if an entrepreneur is listening now and, and you know, what, what would your advice be for them and, and how to find their purpose beyond their business in terms of making money? Um, yeah, for sure. I think for some people that that purpose is making money um but you know you make money and then what do you do with that money Mm, like yeah you know it it, it, I think you need to keep striving towards what feels good to you and do it because for no other reason other than like not to fulfill something that you haven't got or some kind of need from a space of neediness and I think when it's not about when it's not coming from a from a neediness the opposite of neediness I guess is fulfillment so it should make you feel fulfilled yeah like not in the sense that it's the thing fulfilling you but that you're contributing something Mm -hmm. yeah Um, definitely and for me, contributing something feel well, particularly something that's positive. <laughs> I should add that in. Um, feels good. And yeah. so, if you're if you can constantly move towards what feels good, and I guess to do that, you need to be in touch with your intuition and um, and who you are yeah. as a person, which comes with challenge. And so, I think like welcome every challenge as a, a way of pointing you in the right direction if yeah. if it feels hard or difficult stop and think about it and go okay what's the lesson here mm. does this mean i'm not going in the right direction right now why is there this roadblock like mm-hmm. am i be, forcing them? Yeah, yeah be persistent you do need, i think you need resilience and persistence as an entrepreneur no doubt but also with that comes wisdom by stopping and thinking about, okay, why is this difficult? Like I'm in control of my experience in the world. So if I'm having a difficult experience, that's because I'm I'm asking for it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like harness that and really think about each challenge that comes up and think, okay, what have I got to learn here? How could I do it better? Who can help me? Um, I think surrounding yourself with positive positive people is a is a massive one. Having yeah. a good support network, um, but in and that will help you find your purpose too, um, yeah. because 
you know, like if they'll be able to give you honesty and and say, well, look, you know, um, I think you're being too hard on yourself or maybe like try something different or maybe think of it from a different perspective. And yeah, mindset is is a huge part of um, getting through those blocks yeah. um, and finding the lesson. And sometimes the lesson is changing your mindset about something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes. Good takeaway. Yeah. You so, find what you seek. Yeah, you find what you seek. <laughs> yeah, totally. You find what you seek. And where you focus, more will come. So I feel like, um, yeah, you've got to train yourself to focus on, um, you know, a positive outcome. And, um, yeah, I... I I I feel really pleased with where I am at the moment and I'm excited about all of that. I mean, I'm so inspired now that I'm like, right, you know, giving back to the environment, mm. partnering with people who are aligned with those values. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm, yeah, just excited about future projects and ways that I can continue to do what I love and, um, and yeah, have a positive impact. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, it was so nice having you in the studio today. Thanks so much. Yeah. It's really nice to chat to you guys too. And um, I love your podcast and I just, yeah, I really um, have enjoyed listening to all of your guests. Um, and I, I hope that everybody learned something today <laughs> from, a, from a humble place. I'm not sure. We, we can all learn from each other. We can. Yeah. We can. We can certainly learn from you. You're a very inspiring woman. Yeah. So if people want to find your jewelry, we mm. have a lot of people who listen internationally. So we have women listening in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and, of course, Australia. So where can they find you? Uh, so I have a website. Um, www.katemccoy.com, katemccoy.com. And then Nature's Treasury um, has its own unique website, um, naturestreasury.com.au. Um, and you can check out my work on Instagram as well, at Kate McCoy Jewellery. Although Australians um, and um, the British spell jewellery, J-E-W-E-L-L-E-R-Y. Yes. And the States have a slightly different spelling. So um, since I'm Australian, I've decided to spell it the Australian way. Very good. <laughs> Um, so you, yes, it will be J W E R W L E R Y. You know what's funny? No, yeah, we they'll get it. Spell it the British way, the Aussie way. Yeah, I have to always like edit my text. I try to edit my text because my friends from the U.S. will text me, and I've been here so long now that I automatically spell everything in British slash Aussie spelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Make sure you spell jewelry correctly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, guys. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I hope we can uh, help help people make a difference and save our beautiful environment. Yes. <laughs> do what you can. Start with what you have and do it. Do what you can. Yeah. All right. Chat Thanks. soon. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice to Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%. Listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. 
Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.